you don't have to attend every argument that you're invited to. Um, and also, you don't need to start every argument just because an opportunity presents itself. Hey friends, I have some bad news. My favorite bread factory just burnt down. They say it's toast. Yeah, that one was kind of bad. Uh, it's episode 116. Welcome back. So glad to have you with us. Thank you so much for being here, for listening. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you leave a rating and a review on this podcast. It helps others find it. And especially sharing this on social media, uh, that's the highest compliment you can pay this podcast. But make sure you tag us on Instagram at Mana Food for Thought, which is where we're most active, or on Twitter at ManaF4T. You can find all that information as well as all of our past podcast episodes and blog content on our website, ManaFoodForThought.com, all spelled out. On the homepage, you can also click on the Patreon tab and become a financial sponsor for as little as $1 a month and get perks. So we'd love for you to do that, support the podcast. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. Let's get into our joy, junk, and Jesus. So a lot of joy this past week, which is great. Um, my daughter went through VBS, as I was sharing, I was kind of nervous about last time. Um and uh, Vacation Bible School, if you don't know what VBS stands for. Um, and so we dropped her off for the first time, like without us, um, for five whole days for a few hours at a church. And she just did great. And my kids have just been bringing me so much joy and their craziness. Like the other night, Erica wanted to, to mop the floors. My wife wanted to mop the floors in our living room. So I was like, I'll take the kids upstairs and just play around with them. And they were just like jumping all over me and being crazy. And, you know, sometimes when... I'm trying to work on something or I'm a little impatient. I might like kibosh that stuff or get irritated, but I was just, I was just letting it happen and just enjoying the fact that like, I'm going to really miss these moments as chaotic and loud and sometimes painful as they can be because I tend to get hurt. Um, I just, I love how nuts they are and how much they love just climbing on me. So, um, what's really brought me joy is just a couple of things that Hannah has said in the past week. So, um, I, sometimes I like run Hannah through scenarios just to see what she might do. And so I asked her like, what would you do if I collapsed? Because my wife was upstairs and she would say, I would say dada. And I was like, well, what if I don't answer? Uh, who do you call? And I'm kind of gesturing upstairs to Erica and she said, Spider-Man, <laughs> which I mean, if she knew Spider-Man, that would be a really great person to call. Um, and then uh, that same night, she was kind of giving me a little attitude as I was getting her ready for bed. And I was like, hey, honey, who's in charge, Hannah or daddy? And she looked at me and she said, God. And I was like, all right, way to sass me with the truth here. But who's next in charge? Daddy. Okay. So, so but she's just been so funny and saying little quirky things like that. And there's a bunch of other stuff throughout this week that was just hilarious that she said or did. Um, so that's been my joy. My junk um, is that our pastor, Monsignor John, um, we had really like joyful uh, events like a retirement event for him. This past week, we had a staff dinner at one of our staff members' beautiful homes. Uh, and this last weekend was his, his, he preached at all the masses. It was his last weekend here. So it, it was very joyful to celebrate him and see him, but it's also very bittersweet. And just, you know, I'm very excited for what's to come for our parish and our new pastor, I think is going to be wonderful. Um, but, you know, it's just like, you know, how do you say goodbye? And I, I don't, I tend to be kind of the person who does the, um, uh, what is it? The Irish goodbye and the Italian goodbye. You know, one is like you say goodbye to everyone and one is you just kind of leave. I tend to like to be the person who just kind of leaves. 
um, just because I want the party to keep going. And I assume I'll see all these people again. I have hope that I'll see them all again. And, um, and I have the same way when it comes to like kind of these big kind of endings, you know, when someone's moving away, I tend to just be like, I'll see you soon. You know, like I, I try not to make a big spectacle of it. Um, because I just, I don't, you know, I don't want it to feel like it's the end because I, I really don't feel like it is. I feel like God will, you know, hopefully lead our paths together again, you know? And I think part of that is I'm younger in age. I haven't, you know, had, you know, I've had quite a few people in my life pass away, but like, you know, the idea of goodbyes and, you know, and the Catholic idea of death too, you don't say goodbye to anyone who's died. It's just, you're in a different type of relationship with them. So it's just kind of this like eternal see you later, you know, that I just operate out of, but it's been kind of hard navigating that. And like, you know, I don't want, you know, other people to think that I don't care or him to think I don't care that he's leaving, you know, so, you know, but pray for him, pray for our parish, um, and all of that. Um, I think also in regards to junk from previous episodes, I think finally everyone in our house is no longer sick and we are almost through all of the after effect symptoms of still having like sore throats or, you know, runny noses or whatever. So that's great. Jesus moment. Um, the, I, I did a three day training at the diocese, um, for this, uh, seminar called, called and gifted where you, you know, you go and you learn about these different gifts of the Holy spirit that are kind of supernatural gifts. They're not just normal talents and you kind of identify which ones you have, um, through an assessment that you take. And I got trained to be kind of a facilitator of that program and an interviewer for people to come one-on-one and, um, discern their charisms. Uh, and it reminded me just how much like I, enjoy that one-on-one kind of direction and potentially moving into like the area of being a spiritual director. And there's a program I've been trying to get into for quite a while, but I just haven't been old enough yet. And I turn um, the minimum age this fall for the spiritual direction program. And so I have to apply in the next two days. So hopefully I have gotten that done by the time you're hearing this. Um, But it just made me excited again for that and really felt kind of the Lord calling me in that area. So um, yeah. So pray for that and hope that goes well. But anyways, um, I, I really tossed around a lot of different things that I wanted to talk about in this episode. But, um, you know, given the current events, I think it's important to talk about the fact that um, Roe versus Wade was officially overturned. Um, there was this um, uh, Dobbs case that was up on the docket, basically trying to guarantee a constitutional right to uh, abortion and, you know, kind of determine a timeline of viability. And the justices determined that they could not grant this case because um, the right to abortion is not in the Constitution. And when something is not in the Constitution, you go to the Constitution to know how to deal with it. And it says that that decision should go to the states. It should not be something that's legislated um, from uh, the the bench, from the judiciary. That's not their role. Their role is to interpret the law, not to make the law. And so um, that's been overturned, which is a huge victory for pro-life advocates, but I know is a a, a very difficult... um, brings up a lot of difficult feelings for people who have a a past or history with abortion or also people who are pro-choice advocates. And so um, I wanted to kind of talk about that a little bit and not necessarily talk about like all the arguments for abortion. I did that in a recent um, kind of summarize that in a recent episode. But this I kind of really want to talk about, like, how do we approach this, this kind of cultural moment as Catholics in a way that is evangelizing? Okay. Um, first of all, I think it's important that you make sure you read up on, 
you know, what the actual cases were about. You know, there's a lot of misinformation about there that says like abortion is illegal now. No, that's not. That's not what it says. It's now up to states, you know, and nobody's being prosecuted because abortions are illegal. You know, they're free to acquire one um, wherever they're able to, um, if that's, you know, what they want. And if states choose to allow that, it's all that this, this uh, case decision was basically saying is that we cannot say that there's a constitutional right to abortion because it's not anywhere in there. So, we have to overturn this because it, there was no legal precedent for it. And the Supreme Court has done this before. As I said in the abortion episode, they did this with a case about um, making making it uh, a, legal, uh, a law that everyone had to say the Pledge of Allegiance. Uh, it was also done when Plessy versus Ferguson was overturned, which was the, the case that segregated schools um, in order for Brown versus Board of Education to desegregate them. Um, I believe I'm saying those cases properly. Um, was um, seeing it as overturned. There's no constitutional, you know, premise for that. So um, there is a constitutional premise for equality. And so that was that was what was decided. So anyway, <clears throat> um, this happened, in case you've been under a rock, this happened on June 4, 24th, uh, the Feast of the Sacred Heart. Um, you know, a lot of people were saying how providential it was that, you know, Feast of the Sacred Heart, uh, right on the eve of the Immaculate Heart of Mary and the Nativity of John the Baptist, which was moved to the day before, and like all these figures, Mary, John the Baptist, Sacred Heart of Jesus, all, you know, around this very important decision. Um, and so... As I said, you know, this is a great victory for people who who uh, believe that abortion is wrong and a great victory for the world, because if you believe, uh, you know, what an abortion is, is the ending of a unique human life, that it is essentially killing a person, then this is a huge victory just, you know, ethically, you know, for people who hold that belief. And if that is true, you know, see, that's something that can't just be true for some people and not true for, true for others. Like, it's either true or it's not. And from everything we know about science... You know, there is a unique genetic individual in the womb at that moment, you know, that what scientific textbooks say and the American Medical Association in their journals and textbooks say that at the moment of fertilization, you have a human being in the earliest stage of development. <clears throat> That's what it is. So if we believe that, if that is the truth, then that is a great thing to celebrate. However, celebrating and the way we celebrate and the way that we share this I've been thinking about this a lot, um, may not be evangelizing. So what I mean is like, if you're just like shouting to the rooftops for this and you should like in your own personal way, like your own personal life, celebrate this. If this is something that you agree with, um, and that you're, you're excited about, but recognize also if you're putting this out there and kind of, I don't know, not addressing some of the concerns of the other side, what you're essentially doing is putting up a wall or a barrier. And you're basically saying like, this is good. We won, you lost. And that's not an evangelizing thing to do, right? We have to remember what our mission is, is to make disciples of all nations, like of everybody. We should want the sanctification of all people. And so I've been really like, just looking at a lot of, a lot of what's on social media and just how it's just kind of this invitation to debate and argument and it's just been reminding me of a lot of things in scripture about, you know, how we're called to approach these different situations. And so, uh, you know, Matthew 10, 16, I'm sending you like sheep in the midst of wolves. So be as shrewd as serpents and simple as doves or gentle as doves. So recognizing we need to be tactful. We need to be strategic. We need to know when to kind of, you know, um, make that like philosophical or theological attack to make our point and to be able to share the truth. But we should be gentle as doves when we do it. Um, there's this great section in Ephesians chapter four, all about like 
the role of us within the body of Christ and how we all have different gifts and that they're all needed in the body of Christ. And we cannot like unnecessarily like cut off a part of the body. Like this is in Ephesians 4 verses 15 and 16, um, where Paul writes, rather living the truth in love, we should grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament with the proper functioning of each part brings about the body's growth and builds itself up in love. So before that, he's talking about kind of like this, this idea that we only need certain people or certain gifts. Um, but he's saying like, no, everyone is part of this. And it goes on to talk about like, what are the rules for the new life? When you turn your life over to Christ, uh, this is at the end of Ephesians chapter four, starting in verse 25. It's a longer section. So bear with me here, but this is what Paul writes. He says, putting away falsehood, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Okay. He calls us to speak the truth. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun, the sun set on your anger and do not leave room for the devil. All right. So we can have emotional responses to different teachings, but we can't let it fester. We can't let it cause us to sin. We can't let it leave room for the devil to come in and lead others astray or away from the church. It continues. The thief must no longer steal, but rather labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with one in need. No foul language should come out of your mouths. Okay. Recognize how we're talking to other people about these issues but only such as is good for needed edification and that it may impart grace to those who hear. Like, do people, do they feel like they've been imparted grace in the way that you've talked about this issue, in the way that you've entered into debates or arguments about it? And it continues, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with which you were sealed for that day of redemption. All bitterness, fury, anger, shouting, and reviling must be removed from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving one another as God has forgiven you in Christ. Those last two verses, so essential. I see so much of that in the way this issue is being talked about and the way that pro-choicers are now attacking pro-lifers and pro-lifers are responding very defensively and, you know, just throwing those same attacks back, just making judgments about each other, you know, um, assuming that we know what the other person stands for without sitting down and having a conversation with them. So if you are going to share this online or celebrate this, what I would invite you to do is maybe consider like, you know, posting something on a post or a story, but disabling any kind of commenting and just saying like, you know, um, this is where I stand or this is the truth, you know, and however you want to share it, however you want to celebrate the news in a respectful way. But, but also recognize, you know, make it an invitation. Like, I understand that you may not agree with me. You may think that this is like the complete worst and you may, you know, have no concept as to why someone would have the stance that I do. And instead of getting into a whole impersonal debate online, I would love to have a conversation with you, not to convince each other, but just to help understand each other. I think it would benefit me and it would benefit you, you know, just so we can see that we both probably are operating from the best of intentions. Uh, or just coming from different positions. And so if you're you're open to that, just send me a message, you know? That way you don't have to keep like feeling like, oh, I got to monitor these comments because they're getting out of control. Or do I delete the post? Do I take it down? You have this kind of pit in your stomach when you post those kind of more controversial things. Um, there might be some of you out there who can just post it and ignore it and just like kind of let the world fall apart in your comment section. I'm not that type of person. Uh, I want, you know, if I'm inviting people to respond or comment, I want to make sure that I'm keeping the conversation going and keeping it like person oriented and not just like, how do I win this argument? How do I cut at the other person? And it, it allows you to really ask questions and kind of pick apart some of the logical fallacies that people and the, and the very vitriolic or slogan oriented language that people throw around with no evidence. You can really get to the heart of the matter that way. But you have to remember to kind of stay calm and, and recognize like that's not what we're called to. 
Um, and then the last scripture I want to share, this is from 1 Peter chapter 3. Now, people often share the, this part of it in verse 15 where it says, always be ready to give an explanation for anyone gives you, asks you for a reason for your hope. Uh, and it continues. But I want to read just a little bit before that because um, it starts this section and, and, and uh, Peter writes this, who is going to harm you if you are enthusiastic for what is good? But even if you should suffer because of righteousness, blessed are you. Do not be afraid or terrified with fear of them, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Always be ready to give an explanation to anyone who asks you for a reason for your hope, but do it with gentleness and reverence, keeping your conscience clear so that when you are maligned, those who defame your good conduct in Christ may themselves be put to shame. So what Peter is essentially getting at here is like, look, if if you're enthusiastic for what is good, like who can who can come at you? But even if you are attacked, even if you do suffer, do not be afraid because we do this because Christ is Lord. And so we must always be ready. It's worth it to always be ready. But our explanation for why we believe what we believe, why we stand for what we do, should always come with gentleness and reverence, with a clear conscience, so that even if people come at us and disagree with us, they will know by our good conduct that if they start to attack us as a person, their argument will fall apart because it's just not valid. You know, it doesn't hold up. And that's why I really believe that we're all called to have these conversations, but we're called to have them with the people who know us and that we're in relationships with your friends, your family. And I know that can be very terrifying because maybe you've had very heated experiences in the past. And so maybe you need to approach it in a different way. So I want to just give you some principles to remember. And the first is kind of how to assess whether or not this is worth it in the first place. Um, you know, if the person really isn't open to having an actual conversation, uh, they might not even be open to changing their mind. But if they don't understand that, like, hey, we're seeking to understand one another here and just talk about this issue in a civil way. Uh, and they may throw things at you like, yeah, but this is about rights and like this is oppressive. And they might get like very heated because they think this is a very big injustice, just as, you know, we should, too, if we think, you know, we should feel that way if we think and believe uh, the truth of the fact that these are human lives at stake in the issue of abortion. However, when it comes to, you know, we have to kind of be willing to set aside the emotions so that we can really allow the logical truths of our argument to really sink in. Otherwise, everything gets buried by how we're feeling in the moment or that, you know, who said the most cutting thing or whatever. So um, <clears throat> this piece of advice just at the very beginning, you don't have to attend every argument you're invited to. Okay, I'm going to say that again. You don't have to attend every argument you're invited to. Okay, virtually today, every single social media post is an invitation to an argument. You know, every single conversation potentially, you don't have to attend that. You, if, if it's just not for you, you can just be like, I, I don't really want to talk about that, you know, because I know we're just going to disagree and, you know, I don't, I just don't want to go there. Let's talk about something else. Uh, you're free to walk away, you know, but make sure you're not walking away um, out of a lack of love for the person. You know, there's kind of like if a couple's fighting, one of the most unloving things a person can do is just suddenly walk away. But if you can communicate and say like, look, like I love you and I don't feel like I'm in an emotional place to have this conversation right now, but it's important and I really want to have it. Um, I just want to make sure I'm better equipped to have it. So let's just set this aside for now or I'm going to walk away right now and then maybe we can come back to this, you know, communicating about that. But recognizing you don't have to attend every argument that you're invited to. Um, and also... You don't need to start every argument just because an opportunity presents itself, okay? Recognize, like, there's a time and a place. Do you have the time? Are you going to get emotional? Um, you know, is this something that you can do um, safely, obviously, because there's people who are threatening, you know, very difficult, violent, you know, kind of things toward us. 
who might stand for something they don't. Um, but also just recognizing like, is this going to be an effective place or setting for an argument? Like on a protest line where people are, are, have been so compelled by their anger or by their disagreement that they're going out, they're leaving behind their daily schedule, they're going out into the streets to march. Probably not a place where people are going to be easily swayed or convinced, especially with the mob group mentality, okay? Most often best in a one-on-one -on -one or very small group type of scenario. Even if you're outnumbered, if you can if you can hold to these particular principles that I'm about to share with you, it can be very effective. Um, and lastly, the one last thing to share before kind of sharing with you some pointers, just something to keep in mind before you go into these situations, um, that to recognize it's so much better to win a soul than to win an argument. In fact, it'd be better to lose an argument and win a soul than it would be to win an argument and lose a soul. And I say that because sometimes I think we forget that there's a person on the line, a soul on the line here. And the way in which we argue, as I said before, can put up these barriers to make this soul, this person feel like I could never see myself in that line of thinking. I can never associate myself with that type of person, the way they talk about this, how careless they are, how angry they got, how they weren't even listening, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and so making sure that you're aware of that, like, is it worth it to potentially lose a soul if I, all I care about is winning an argument? Because sometimes it's the best thing to do is just walk away. Okay. But if you do choose to enter into these conversations, here are some principles that I think will help. And the first one is to stay calm. Okay. To not get emotional, to not get heated, to not get loud, to not talk over one another, but to really listen and to really just maintain your composure, even if people are throwing very, you know, um, just random or very uh, um, vindictive or angry type of claims at you, at the issue, um, trying to demean you as a person, whatever it might be. Um, and I think this is why this is always good to be done in person and especially with people you already have a relationship with, because most people who know us, like they know that we don't do things or believe things for a bad reason, you know, and we've have some kind of established trust and relationship and care for one another. So they're going to be more willing to listen instead of just like attack. You know, I do think with younger generations lately, Gen Z and millennials in particular, that they're going to be more inclined to kind of throw that out the window, not because they're bad or worse. I mean, I'm part of those generations too, but because so many of those people in my generation and the generation below me are just inundated with these very extremist points of view on social media, that it's overtaken kind of our social cues, especially with COVID and us being on our own, you know, and isolated. Our only interaction was digital and the digital interactions became so much more divisive and um, angry that I think a lot of people who are very into social media and on it a lot, I am not, but I know a lot of people in my generation and especially Gen Z who just are, it's part of their culture, part of their identity. Um, they've just, it, it's just kind of soaked in to our, our social cues. And so just be aware of that. Okay. Um, when you get into the conversation, don't think of this as like, okay, how do I, you know, debate this? Well, how do I hit every point? Ask questions and seek to understand. Okay. So maybe a good starting question would be like, well, why do you believe what you believe about this issue? And why do you think I should believe it? And then ask questions from there, you know, like, will you support an abortion? Like what is an abortion? define what that is for me. And if it's like, you know, the ending of a pregnancy or the, you know, ending of an unborn, you know, whatever, say, well, like, tell me, what are the unborn? That I think is the central question. Trent Horn always talks about this, the central question of abortion. What are the unborn? And really 
stay on that particular topic or the line of questioning. Because when you get to someone who really, who really hasn't thought through their arguments, immediately what you're going to get, you're going to be on a topic like, oh, why should we believe in abortion? And if someone feels threatened, this is what they're going to do. Immediately they're going to be like, well, what about women who've been raped or who are in incest or in medical emergencies? They're going to throw something very emotional and very like sensationalistic at you that feels like something like you can't possibly disagree with this unless you're a terrible person who wants these victims to die. And that is not a, you know, a, a proper way to argue. It's very like illog it's a logical fallacy to like, you know, a non sequitur to just say like this thing that we're talking about is related to something else entirely. And so to treat each thing on its own. Okay. And if they want to leave the conversation that and go to that, then you have to say, well, okay, setting aside what we're talking about here, we still need to, you know, address the fact of like, what are the unborn? You know, we can't just say that like, it's okay to do something that might be intrinsically evil just because there's very emotional and difficult situations that come up. You know, it's not okay to murder someone just because, you know, you're really depressed or you feel like it's your only way out or whatever it might be. You know, so emotional state doesn't depend on the, the uh, or doesn't control the, the ethical nature of the issue, okay? Um, so what you're trying to do is ask questions and really seek to understand where they're coming from and then find whatever is good because no one believes anything with bad intentions. I, I wholeheartedly believe that anyone who's pro-choice does not wake up in the morning and think like, I can't wait to be evil today and seek more abortions and kill babies. Like, I don't think that. I think that they really believe that they have good intentions and good reasons for what they believe and why they believe it. And I think they believe that they're good arguments and they've heard them, you know, you know, spouted off by the media and maybe they've never thought about how these things are related or had certain questions asked, you know, and there are certain questions or, or things about abortion. Maybe I've never considered, or I've never asked. Okay. So recognizing there's good intentions and there's good in them. And if there's good in both, we can find a common ground. Okay. A common ground could be caring about life, caring about the dignity and health of women. Like both sides believe those things. Okay. So you can start from there and then ask questions like, is abortion good for women? and learn about kind of the statistics about the fact that it's not, you know, is abortion something that supports life? Would you be okay with more abortions? Do you think more abortions should be happening? Would you, if you could, were in charge and you could create a society where there was more abortions or less abortions, do you think the ideal world would have more or less or none at all? And begin to ask, well, why, why do you answer that? Why do you think that way? Okay. And begin to kind of get to a place where there might be some, some loophole in their argument, some kind of, you know, crack, uh, within it or some place where maybe you're just able to have a conversation. And then I would encourage you leave the door open. Do not end the, you know, conversation or argument by trying to then suddenly convince, tear down or be right or win or have the last word or act as though you you need to answer every single one of their debates or arrive at some kind of, you know, compromise or conclusion, you know? Um just leave the door open for further, you know, um, conversation. So leave it with that, you know, that gentleness and that reverence, like having reverence for them as a person, their opinion, uh, and just be able to say, like, I really appreciate you opening up and sharing this with me. Um, I'd love to talk more about this sometimes, but, you know, this is a really emotional issue. Maybe we should just, you know, get back to the, the what we were doing before or talk about something else or we have to leave, whatever it is. But I just, I really value you you know, being willing to open up about this and tell me what you, um, what you believe and why you believe it, you know, and I really appreciate you listening to me doing that, you know, if you're given the opportunity to. So those would be my pointers. Those would be the things to keep in mind, okay? Um, you don't have to attend every argument you're invited to, okay? You don't need to start every argument just because an opportunity presents itself. Remember that it's better to win a soul than win an argument. But if you're in these situations, remember, stay calm, 
ask questions and seek to understand, try and find the good or common ground, and leave the door open for future conversations. And try always to have these conversations with people who you know and who know you well and who there's some kind of mutual respect, trust, or love between the two of you because it's far more likely going to be a more palatable environment for real civil dialogue to happen and not this just spouting slogans and angry vitriol at one another and jumping from point to point that are unrelated and trying to kind of address all of these things while balancing this very emotional, sensationalistic attack um, from the other side. We can be guilty of that too. We need to make sure that we know our stuff. We know what kind of questions to ask. Um, and so some great resources that I would recommend to you uh, on this particular topic, but on all topics really when it comes to defending the faith, is Catholic Answers. And Catholic Answers has these great 20-question guides. And you, I think you can buy the PDFs of them online as well. And they have one on abortion. So there's a 20 questions for abortion. And there's about like 25 or 30 of, of, um, of these kind of 20 questions or small booklets. Um, Persuasive Pro-Life by Trent Horn. He's also working on finalizing a second edition to that that has a lot of these updated arguments on abortion and pro-life issues in it, as well as stuff about this court case decision, because he's been working on it at the moment. So keep an eye out for that. Um, and uh, yeah, I would just look at other you know resources that are out there. If you know any, send them my way. But those are some of the best ones that I've come across. Um, Catholic Answers always has good stuff. Um, that's really solid, founded in Catholic doctrine, and really, you know, philosophical. In fact, I just saw an article on their website about five non-religious arguments to abortion, and I think that's a huge thing that we have to be aware of and sensitive to, that a lot of people who are pro-choice think that this is an effort from hyper-religious fundamentalist Christians who are trying to get us back in the Stone Age and subjugate women and oppress them and control their bodies. And that is not what it's about. It's about this is a unique human life, and we want to protect human life. We want to protect the life of women. We want to create a society um, where women are supported in pregnancy, where pregnancies are wanted and welcome, and they come about in the context of a loving family, and that you know the idea of relationships, love, sex, and sexuality, that's all healed and whole and in the way that God created. Because if it is, and we can help people see that, we'll help people see like the beauty and the freedom of who God created us to be. And how all of these different difficulties with relationships, society, family, sex, pregnancy, all of these things um, are just a, a ramification of us turning away from God's plan, turning away from his will for us. But because God created the world, the world has a natural order and a natural law. And so things like philosophy, science, history, logic, reason, you can use these if the other person just does not appeal to religious arguments whatsoever, which I think is going to be the case most of the time. And so this might be difficult for you if you are, you know, someone who's very steeped and well-educated in Catholic teaching, and you can't really cite any of those things like the Catechism or the Bible. You really have to make sure you know it from a philosophical or an ethical standpoint, uh, especially the scientific verbiage and studies behind it, and familiarizing yourself with also some of Planned Parenthood's statistics, because some of their statistics can be pretty condemning, you know, about how frequently people go to abortions, you know, for certain uh, extreme situations. It's very, very rare. Most abortions are just out of convenience. And so, you know, how do we talk about that in a way that's effective? I think all of that can be helpful. And so I want to encourage you to speak the truth. You are being called to be a vessel, a disciple of Jesus Christ, to share the truth wherever he has placed you. That is your role. That's my role. We all have a missionary role in the world. We are on mission wherever God has placed us, in our own jobs, schools, friendships, families, relationships, communities, you know, organizations, wherever we involved, we're involved, whatever our roles and responsibilities are, we're called to witness there. And the way that we do that is first by building relationships and loving other people. 
You know, that's why the golden rule is love one another, because out of that love, truth can be shared and people can be invited into that truth in a way that builds trust in a way that helps them see that they can they can believe it. But if we just throw it at people that we don't know or put it out into the social media ether for whoever's, you know, uncle to see or whatever, it's just going to be a mess. And so I just want to encourage you share the truth, but do it in the right way and do it in a way that's effective. And if it's not going to be effective or if you don't feel equipped or you feel like this is just going to be, you know, a bloodbath of, you know, social media comments or, you know, whatever it might be. Remember, you don't have to attend every argument you're invited to. That's all I have for you this week. Um, yeah, pray for me as I pray for you. God bless you. And I will see you in the Eucharist. Mm-hmm.